gentlemen, boys and girls, turtoids, you are listening live here to a special edition indie of Brandon's World here on this Sunday, July 31st. 2022, where the only thing we are doing today is we are recapping the most stupendous SummerSlam in history. Of course, if you are listening on our YouTube channel, you will see what the virtual background is behind me today for good reason. As always, go on that little Twitter machine. Type it at Brandon Lewis underscore seven. Give me a follow. Also follow the show at real underscore B world. Without further ado, let's get into it. Talking SummerSlam, kicking things off with Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, the Raw Women's Championship on the line one year ago at SummerSlam, August 21st, 2021. Becky Lynch returned after over a year away from having a baby. She returned and defeated Bianca Boer in 26 seconds for the SmackDown Women's Championship. A year later, these two women, who had an amazing encounter, people, some people say it was the best match of the weekend at WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, Texas, they put on another L of a classic contest here at Nashville, Tennessee, Bianca Bauer's hometown in Nissan Stadium. Bianca Bauer, of course, able to hit a KOD on the outside, was the biggest spot of the match, as well as Becky once owing Bianca Bauer's braid, knocking her into a main and slam, which I thought that was it. We could have had our new Raw Women's Champion, but the EST would not lay down. And after Becky Lynch had a perfect game plan of manipulating and softening and frustrating Bianca Belair and targeting that arm, it did not matter because the EST was able to recover, hit the KOD, get the one, two, three, a phenomenal way to kick off the event. But that was not all because when Becky Lynch got up from the one, two, three, she shook Bianca Belair's hand, signaling. The end of the feud. But when we thought that was it, boom! And that's the theme of the night here, folks, was boom. Surprise everywhere. You did not know what to expect. And in the words of the great John Madden, boom! Out comes Bailey, making her return in front of a crowd for the first time since WrestleMania 37. Bailey has not wrestled in front of a crowd since the COVID-19 pandemic began, and Bailey was not alone. Oh, no. She brought out Dakota Kai and EO Shirai from NXT to form a new stable. And it looks like Bailey will be the leader of that stable, going after the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. But guess who was right by the side of Bianca? It was the one and only man, Big Time Bex. Becky Lynch. It looks like Becky Lynch did turn face here after all. Again, it was a great way to signify the end of Bianca Bauer and Becky Lynch's long past. And now we head into Bianca Bauer and Bailey shooting for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, during my preview show, I said it looked like, you know, maybe Bianca Bauer would go on to face Rhea Ripley at Clash of the Castle in the United Kingdom. 
which that does not look like it's going to be the case anymore. It looks like it's going to be Bianca Belair versus Bailey, which I'm all for. I did not expect Bailey to come out. I was shocked when I heard the music come out. I kind of forgot that Bailey, you know, could return here at any time because there's been rumors about her returning and she's been gone for so long. I thought she would return on SmackDown, but here she is on the red brand. And I'm excited to see her and Bianca Belair mix it up. Of course, they were supposed to have and I quit match back in Money in the Bank 2021 before Bayley tore that ACL. Next match was a great match. I said it would be on the preview show between Logan Paul and The Miz, who, of course, put out Champa and Maurice to help him, but it did not matter. Champa tried to get involved too many times. Once he was ejected, he would not leave the ringside area. AJ Styles ended up making an appearance. Taking out Champo, which led to Logan Paul and The Miz having a one-on-one -on -one contest. And Logan Paul drove The Miz right for the announce table on a splash that looked like it hurt like hell. Then Miz tried to pick up a polarized Pokemon card that he brought down to the ring with and hit Logan Paul with it. Instead, Maurice got in the way. Boom, Logan Paul hit Miz with the skull-crushing finale. The move that The Miz delivered to Logan Paul at WrestleMania. One, two, three. Logan Paul picks up the victory. And this man, Logan Paul, by way of Puerto Rico, fighting out of Cleveland, Ohio. My own town, of course. This man has only been in a wrestling match two times in his life. Once at WrestleMania 38, and then once last night at SummerSlam. He continues to impress every single time. Another fun fanatic match that had a lot of good twists and turns. Logan Paul did a lot of good wrestling, did a moonsault spot out here at the at the edge of the apron. You know, just a really good, fun match. And then once again, it kept the car really moving. Next match was kind of a cool-down match here. Bobby Lashley defending the United States Championship against Theory, who obviously on this card had more important things to do, which is why Lashley quickly, after a show of strength, really dominated Theory. Walked in the hurt walk for the for the uh, tap out, and Bobby Lashley retained the United States Championship. I'm now presuming that Lashley moves on to bigger and better things now with Triple H in control. The next moment was another big shock of the night between the Judgment Day and the Mysterios in the notice qualification match. These two teams, we know the heat that they add. They came out all fires, a blazing tornado tag, and using chairs and really beating each other up. But it really dove down to in the middle of the match. Even Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, Finn Bauer dominating the Mysterios. But this match was booked all for one reason. To bring out the return of the Rated R Superstar Edge. Who would made his return looking like the brute coming up for the ashes of fire. It was one of the best moments of the night. Coming down, taking out Damian Priest with a big boot. It would hit Finn Bauer with a spear. It would hit Damian Priest with a spear. Leading to the double 619 and the Mysterios winning the matchup thanks to Edge. Now, I do think this is going to lead to Edge versus Demon Finn Bauer. I don't think so right away. Potentially down the line. I've seen rumors about Phoenix coming back. Do they do Edge and Beth versus Rhea Ripley in a combination of Finn Balor or Damian Priest? Do they have Edge and the Mysterios take on, I don't know, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and another member that could be added to the Judgment Day? 
That could be another scenario down the line, but I think that this main feud here between Edge and Finn Bauer of who the leader of the Judgment Day, I think it's just getting started, and it could lead to Edge potentially going back to the Judgment Day with new creative in charge. We'll see what the direction they go with that group. This wasn't the best match overall. Good showcase for Finn, Damian, and the Mysterios to get on the car. But again, this was all about the return of the Rated R Superstar. We've seen the vignettes over the past month, ever since Money in the Bank. On Raw every week, we finally got our answer as to who that was. That was Brood Edge coming for the ashes, looking for revenge on the Judgment Day. Next matchup here, and one of the best matches of the night, as always, the man, Pat McAfee. The man who has brought love back to WWE commentary. The man that can seemingly do no wrong in my eyes. Took on Abby Corbin, or should I say, bomb-ass Corbin. Bomb-ass Corbin. As the choir was singing for Pat McAfee, bum-ass Corbin down to the ring. And Pat started it off with a giant super kick. Some right hands to Corbin. Corbin ended up delivering a nasty drop kick to Pat. Pat did a crazy swan time bomb off the top rope. Where he almost fell off the top rope and vintage Pat McAfee style. Pat did a nice jump uh, uh, off the top rope. And so everything, you know, really worked out. And I thought it was a great match. Again, for Pat McAfee, it's he moves on now. Now, there was a low blow spot at the end where obviously referee Charles Robinson brought out Pat McAfee delivering the kick to Abby Corbin. Pat ended up hitting a Canadian destroyer off the top rope for the victory. Again, just another fun, fantastic contest. I do think with that low blow kick, that we could potentially see another Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin match at Clash of the Castle. Now, the next match, in my opinion, this was one of those matches that had really high stakes and did not really deliver. There was the Usos against the Street Profits with referee Jeff Jarrett for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. Of course, J E double F J A double R. E double T, that's double J, Jeff Jarrett. I thought he did an okay, decent job at keeping these teams, you know, pretty even. You, you know, he didn't really get involved. He did his job, kind of the one, two, three. But at the end of the day, the users were able to nail Dawkins with, with the one oofs for the victory. This was not really a special match. They had some crazy spots. Montez Ford did a die. Their Money in the Bank match was better. And I think at this point, this show was so good. You know, we had Drew McIntyre come out, cutting a promo on who he was going to face between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. We had all the return moments with Bailey and Edge. And then you got Pat McAfee and Logan Paul in the ring. And you had Bobby Lashley dominating theory. There was so much good on this part. And the commentary was absolutely phenomenal with Michael Cole and Corey Graves, mostly ending with the SmackDown matches. Jimmy Smith, Corey Graves, Byron Zaxxon, obviously ending the Raw matches. But I think at this point, these next two matches, the crowd was a little bit tired, anticipating the main event as they should. But yeah, the Usos ended up defeating the Profits in a relatively short match, but it did signify the end of their feud, in my opinion. Who knows? As I said, you know, after Money in the Bank, it looks like they're teasing that Montez Ford and, and Angelo Dawkins are going to break up. Now, we don't know if they're going to do that, you know, during the drought, whenever the WWE drought is decided, because of new creative involved. Whether they do it this Monday on Raw, 
to create kind of a big new creative direction in WWE. We really don't know. But this is definitely an exciting time for the brand. And I think the Usos now and the Street Profits are both moving on. Next thing, this was a really quick segment here between Riddle and Seth Rollins. Obviously, we know that Seth Rollins and Riddle got postponed due to Seth Rollins stomping Riddle on the mat. Well, Riddle and Seth Rollins wanted to fight. They had a little brawl. Riddle came out for the crowd. He demanded Seth Rollins come out. Rollins came out, and again, they just had a little fight. The feud's continuing here. I liked it. You know, this show went long. It went three and a half hours. If you had one more match on the card, it would have went to midnight. You know, I don't really think the match was needed. I think you can kind of save it for Clash of the Castle and just get a little brawn here between these two to establish the feud was good enough for me. Then we got Liv Morgan taking on Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship and an all-out fight that made the baddest woman on the planet look like the baddest woman on the planet. Now, this was not the Raw Women's Championship where it was just a technical, great, executed match between Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. This was most of the challenger, Ronda Rousey, dominating Liv Morgan. And at the end, Ronda Rousey had Liv Morgan in the R-bar, which Ronda Rousey was attempting all match long with Liv Morgan barely able to escape. Well, this time, Liv Morgan tapped out, but Ronda Rousey's shoulders were on the mat for free. Now, there was confusion because it looked like Ronda Rousey made Liv Morgan tap out before the referees and hit the count of three. That was the case. The referee did not see it. As always in wrestling, though, the referee's call is final, which means the referee only saw the shoulders of Ronda Rousey, meaning that Liv Morgan retains the SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, Rousey, who has a legitimate right, thinking that she should be the SmackDown Women's Champion today, ended up taking out an official and just, you know, destroying Liv Morgan afterwards, officially turning heel, and again, turning on an official. I think that this new direction WWE is going to make Ronda Rousey look like a complete badass. You know, I think Corey Graves even alluded to in our commentary. It's weird seeing Ronda Rousey as a challenger as opposed to a champion for the SmackDown Women Championship. But I think Ronda here is going to elevate Lynn Morgan. I think they're going to have a better match at the Castle. They're certainly setting up a rematch. For that occasion. And again, Ronda Rousey as a badass, not smiling, just kicking ass, is what she needed to be since returning at the Royal Rumble. Now, as I said on my prediction show, I actually thought that Lynn Morgan could pick up a clean victory here over Ronda Rousey, a rare clean victory. And who knows? Maybe Charlotte Flair would return, and you can set up Lynn Morgan versus Charlotte Flair. That could still be the plan down the line as Flair did not return on this show. But as I already mentioned, it looks like we're going to get another match between Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey at Clash of the Castle. Again, a lot of this stuff at this pay-per-view was setting up the big United Kingdom premium live event, whether it is, you know, Edge and Finn Bauer or, you know, Bailey and Bianca Belair or Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey or Drew McIntyre versus the winner of the most incredible last man standing match of all time, I still feel like I am there. I still feel like I am on a roller coaster ride, folks. This undisputed Universal Championship match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns was one of the best matches, hands down, I have ever watched or I have ever been to that I have ever, ever seen. It started with Brock Lesnar 
driving a damn tractor to the ring and jumping off it and taking out Roman Reigns. And ever since then, these two used every weapon in the book, whether it was tables, steel steps, pieces of tables, the tractor itself with Brock Lesnar dumping Roman Reigns inside of a tractor and putting him in the ring, and then using the damn tractor to move the ring and lift the ring up. As again, you can see my virtual background here on YouTube. I have never seen anything like this in my life. A man the size of Brock Lesnar using a tractor to lift the ring up to try to bury Roman Reigns. And Paul Amen, obviously Roman Reigns is special console, was so distraught, he tried giving Lesnar the championship just to get the hell out of the arena. Lesnar was not taking it, and in an F5 on Paul Amen through the announce table. A bump that we haven't seen Paul Amen take in probably 20 years. Added that, the Usos coming out, destroying Lesnar with reins down. Everybody was down. And then out comes Theory, jumping, running to the ring like a scared little boy, hitting Reigns and Lesnar with a briefcase. But Lesnar able to F5 Theory on the outside, pretty much putting Theory down for the rest of the match. But it did not matter. Because Roman Reigns would hit Lesnar with literally everything. Stairs, title belts, money in bank briefcases, stairs, everything. And Lesnar would still keep getting up with Michael Cole screaming, My God, just stay down, Lesnar. You can't take this much abuse in a Hall of Fame Cole by a Hall of Famer in Michael Cole. And eventually the bloodline had to bury Brock Lesnar in all the rubble. With chairs, with the announce table, with tables, with steps, with the briefcase, everything you can think of. Roman Reigns was able to keep Brock Lesnar down for a count of 10, and one of the damnedest things I've ever seen, and retain the Universal Championship and move on to face Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle. We know Drew and Reigns have a lot of history with each other, including a WrestleMania 35 encounter. When Roman Reigns came back from Okemia and defeated Drew McIntyre. We know their encounter at Survivor Series 2020 was amazing. And we're about to see another one throw down here on September 3rd. Cardiff Wales sold out stadium in the United Kingdom. But for Triple H's first show as the head of creative in WWE, I would say we had a spectacular show, man. A lot of great wrestling. Great returns, great moments, and the main event was one of the damnedest things, as I've said here, I have ever seen. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was absolutely incredible. So I'm not talking a lot about these matches here today because I am still on a wrestling high. That was one of the most insane shows I've ever seen. WrestleMania 38, the most stupendous WrestleMania history is still, in my opinion, the best premium live event of the year. But next to that, man, SummerSlam. You know, in this stadium, Nissan Stadium with 40,000 fans, it felt like a mini WrestleMania, and that's what it should feel like. It felt like the biggest party of the summer. WWE definitely delivered on their moniker this year. SummerSlam next to WrestleMania has always been one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. I would list it as, you know, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank are kind of my top four. And obviously this year with Money in the Bank and SummerSlam coming back to back, we had two 
of the most amazing premium live events back-to-back, and I'm really excited for Clash of the Castle, United Kingdom. We know those fans always bring it. They are arguably the best wrestling fans in the world out there at the United Kingdom, and I think that we are set for a great card. But once again, man, heads off to Triple H and WWE Creative for putting on a great show, great matches, returns, you know, debuts, great moments, funny, laughable, you know, spectacular performances from legends, great wrestling, you know, celebrities and Logan Paul, just everything you would expect out of a wrestling event. This was one of those events, and I'm so happy I got to win this last night on Peacock on the WWE Network. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up for today's Brandon's World. As you guys know, next week is the season finale of Brandon's World, where I'm sure we will talk about the MLB trade deadline coming up, as well as what will WWE look like now that Triple H is in charge. That is next week. That will be our last show before we go on hiatus, before we start the NFL season on September 5th which will be Labor Day. We'll be back bringing down the Art of Wales class of the Casual Bay Review, and I will be making my NFL predictions official at that point. So thank you guys for watching this whole season of Brands World on the Brands World Podcast. It was kind of our mini finale here, breaking down the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam. I loved every second of it, and I hope you did too. We'll see you guys next time. And peace.